Blog Talk Radio. Anyone want coffee? Hello, fellow book writers and caffeine fiends. Welcome to A Daily Cup of Joe, where you'll get to hear from publishing industry pros and affirm your inner bookworm. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this special Thursday edition of A Daily Cup of Joe. It's usually Mondays that are for veterans of Utopia. Those folks who've been with the conference for at least three years poured their heart and souls into the event and welcomed newcomers with open arms. But hey, we're going with it. I'm Joe Michaels of the Joe Michaels blog, and I'll be your host. I'm over the moon today to have best-selling author Chelsea Fine with me. She's the author of several contemporary romance novels, including Best Kind of Broken, Finding Fate Book One. Chelsea has been with Utopia since year one, and she's commonly a guest speaker at other conferences around the U.S. You can find her on her website, ChelseaFine.com, on Facebook, on Twitter, and on Instagram via the links in the show description. I do hope you give her a follow. I feel a lot like I'm interviewing a celebrity today, so please forgive my giddiness and my giggles. Without further gabbing on my part, I give you Miss Fine. Hi, Chelsea. Hello. I'm so excited to be here. I'm so excited to have you here, as you can tell from my intro. (laughs) (laughs) So as you can probably also tell from the intro and the show name, I do love my coffee. So my first question for every one of my guests is, how do you drink yours? Oh, well, <clears throat> I drink my coffee with as much creamer as possible. <laughs> um, I drink coffee like like I'm a toddler or something. I really, I, I try to mask the coffee taste. <laughs> so it's just pretty much pure sugar. So like this morning, I just made, I just made my, um, my fourth cup of coffee. And this morning, I'm <laughs> drinking like... Um, you know how, like, they have the, the Girl Scouts creamer, like the Thin Mint cookie kind or whatever? Um, that's what I have in my coffee, and it's probably, like, 75% creamer and 25% coffee. <laughs> that's how gross. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Like Definitely a woman after my own heart. Yes, uh, I love it. <laughs> so I'm crazy. going to talk about Utopia, that awesome conference held in Nashville every year. And I have, like, a laundry list question. So I'm just going to hit through right number one. So what right. is it about Utopia that keeps you coming back? The one thing that made you realize that you'd never miss a conference if you could help it? Oh, <clears throat> that's a great question. Um, well, first of all, it's, I think it's important to know that Utopia was the very first book conference I ever went to. And not just as an author, but like in general, in my whole life, um, I had never. I mean, I was, you know, <laughs> I've been a huge reader, my, you know, since I was a little kid. Uh, but I had yeah. never had the opportunity to go to any kind of like book conference or or any event that was really centered around, you know, books or publishing at all. And so, after I published my first few books, and I was invited to Utopia and went, that was my very first experience at anything like that. So. So so it blew my mind on that level just because, you know, it was a whole new world for me. Yeah. Um but but definitely um 
definitely, okay, so here's the thing. For me, at least, writing, which is so amazing, like, it's, it's, it's so fun. And, I mean, I get to control characters and I get to, you know, make up stories all day. I have the best job ever, and it's so fun. But for <laughs> as awesome as it is, it is a very isolating um, profession, you know, because, like, authors, yeah. you know, we sit by ourselves, <laughs> right, we sit by ourselves in our offices or wherever, and we write all day long, and it's, and it's very, it's, it's just, uh, lonely is kind of a dramatic word, but, like, it's just, you know, it's just me, it's me and my computer, and I do talk to people, like, on Facebook and Twitter and, and stuff all day long, but it's different, <laughs> um, that, that in-person, you know, contact is just, I don't have, like, coworkers, you know, I go into an office every day and see. So mm-hmm. was the very first time that I actually like real like really connected with the idea that like I wasn't alone in this job, you know, like it was the even though I knew that, right? <laughs> like Yeah. <laughs> I had a bunch of author friends and stuff already and but it's just it's a different thing to go to a place and to to like physically like to hug an a, a fellow author well, I've been talking to you on Facebook for two years, but like to actually see them in person and to and to like talk to them about like oh the struggle of you know falling in love with like the bad guy in your book or you know how do you end a, a series that you're in love with and there was just something there was something magical about about that that just gave me peace I think like it just made me feel like oh I'm so I'm so glad that I have these people, that, that other people know what I go through every day, and every other people, they, they're in this with me, you know? And so that was, that was the number one thing that I took away from, um, from the Utopia experience, and that's a very broad thing. I mean, that's something that, that I, I get at pretty much every kind of book conference. Um, but Utopia specifically was great because not only was I meeting these friends of mine for the first time, um, mm-hmm. But I was connecting, I was meeting new people that I'd never heard of and people from all different um, avenues of this industry. So, you know, bloggers and um, editors and cover designers um, and obviously readers, which is like yeah. you know, the very best part of, of what I do. But it was, um, I got to have all these people around me in this setting that U- Utopia has a very special feel to it like a very there's an intimacy that exists at utopia that i just i haven't felt at any other conference um and so i for me at least there was a safety that came with that like i wasn't it's so insecure i wasn't afraid to make new friends i felt very accepted Mm. i felt like i belonged and i thought (laughs) for as much as i think i had like i think i had like three books published by the time I went to my first Utopia, but I still mm-hmm. didn't consider myself a professional writer. <laughs> like, like I felt like I was Whoa. faking it still. Like, like oh, I hope uh-huh. you through me. And Utopia took that away. <laughs> you know, Utopia, like, made me feel like I, I belonged. And that was, I really did, in my head, make this, like, uh, vow or whatever to myself. Like, I'm going to come to Utopia every single year because this place is where I found myself and like accepted myself as an author, you know? So, yeah, yes, so I that's do. what it is. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Heck yeah, that's exactly how I feel about it. Right? <laughs> it's, it's special. It's special. 
So I know it was a long time ago that first year, but if you can remember, what was your favorite activity or panel back then? Oh, um, well, it was great because it was a long time ago. I'm pretty sure I remember this <laughs> correctly, though. <laughs> but um, <laughs> we're, there was just a handful of panels, and um, there was a panel that was a love triangle panel, and I got to be on it, which made me feel like a rock star because I'm like, oh, people, people are going to ask me questions <laughs> about love triangles. Awesome. I felt like a celebrity. Um, and the great thing about this panel was – you know, because all of us, we're, huge, we're all huge readers, right? Like, no matter what you do, you know, in the book industry, you're you're a reader. You're obsessed with characters and these, you know, fantasy worlds and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was at this panel, and again, I'd never been to any kind of, like, book club or book conference before. So I was in a room with, like, you know, 70 people who all, um, we were all reading um, the City of Bones series was, like, mm, it was, you know, like very. I mean, it's still huge and hot, but you know, we were talking yeah. about that as far as like love triangles, and I got really passionate about it just because you know everybody loves Jason. I don't know. I <laughs> I got really worked <laughs> up, and I realized that these people, this these like seventy other people in this room, were as obsessed with this story as I was, and it was amazing. <laughs> I, I couldn't. I couldn't get over it. I was like, oh, these are my people. You know, like I, yeah. like, like I sound like a long lost, like, soulmate. Um, and it was, <laughs> it was a panel where all we did was talk about, you know, love triangles and, you know, in Twilight or Vampire Diaries or whatever, and just how gut-wrenching they are and how beautiful they are and what a mess they are. And it was, it was just so elating for me because, because I don't think I had ever really believed that other people were as obsessively nerdy as I was about characters. <laughs> so, yeah, that was by far, that was my favorite. I was, I was drooling. I was, it was awesome. <laughs> is is that the panel where your gum flew out of your mouth? Oh my, oh my goodness. No, <laughs> actually not that panel, but I will tell you what I did at that panel. Oh, I don't think I've ever told anybody this before. I probably shouldn't tell these stories because I look so crazy. But okay, so I was wearing I was wearing high heels like I do, and and they're very cute. Um, but I always I sit on one foot like just when I sit on a chair like I tuck one foot under like my thigh. I don't know, it's just, it's just like a habit of mine. But when I did that, and I don't even remember who was sitting next to me on this panel. Um, Shelly Crane maybe. Oh, who was it? It was um it was an author and it was an author that I like like had a crush on like an author whose books I just loved and I don't I it's great I'm so sorry that I can't remember who it was but when I when I went to sit on my foot and I have high heels on I stabbed her in her leg with the heel of my shoe like just like like a I, like a misfit like I totally and she was so cool started laughing and I was like I am so sorry did I draw blood I'm so sorry um, so you know and then I tried to sit like like a lady like properly like you know trying not to be a ten year old boy at this <laughs> panel and it was uh, yeah and that was before it started so you know I really kicked it off to a stellar start there by stabbing my partner with my shoe <laughs> it was ah. <laughs> Vision. It just, it was, it was, but yeah, the thumb oh coming out of my mouth was a different panel that day. <laughs> but yeah, 
was no, right in line with my typical behavior. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Hey, you draw blood, you're friends for life, right? <laughs> yes. So, from your perspective, I remember, I know that you were there for that first year and you were there last year. Um, what do you like and not like about, like, the growth and expansion of the conference? Mm. Well, I mean, you always you always root for conferences to grow. You always want anything that anything that you enjoy. You always want it to be successful and to get to gain momentum and to get bigger. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, I definitely love that it has uh, received more and more recognition every year, and it's brought in more people. Um, you know, and obviously with that comes more resources and more networking and more information and that's always good because there's just more to learn and more to do um, as each year goes on um, so I so I love that I love that there are new faces every year and that there are new opportunities and and I love that like I like to watch it and <laughs> there's a part of me that feels like it's a piece of me too like like I'm growing uh-huh. up with so I love you know I love that um, the only thing it's I don't even know if I would say there's anything that I dislike about it getting bigger or whatever, about it growing, um, because, uh, I don't know, because there's nothing really negative about it. But I would say that there is, I will say that I I am reminiscent. I do miss um, that, that very first year, the... The very rare, like like the word I used uh, a minute ago was like intimate, but like that intimacy that was mm-hmm. there between like the, you know, there were like 80 people, these brand new authors who we didn't know what we were doing, but we had each other. And, um, and we are all still very close. Like this handful of authors that went to Utopia that first year, I think it kind of bonded us, like kind of in a permanent way. We're all, for the most part, we're all still very close to one another and and we take care of each other, and we've all grown kind of um, at, at a similar pace in the industry, and, for, yeah. and a lot of us have had great successes. And so that's just such a rare, I think that, you know, we were really, really blessed to get to have that moment in time at that very first utopia and to grow up together as authors because now we get to celebrate these huge accomplishments together, and we have this support network that I think is is very difficult to cultivate in any industry, um, but, you know, but also especially writing, you know, there tends to be a lot of um, uh, maybe competition between authors or just yeah, it's hard to feel accepted maybe. Um, so for a group of authors to be so genuinely close to one another and genuinely um, excited and proud of one another, I think, was really just this like one fleeting flash moment in time that you know came to like a head at, at that very first utopia, and so I think mm-hmm. that that's the only thing that I maybe um, don't necessarily see it, uh, every year at Utopia anymore. And not that it doesn't exist. I mean, I'm in a different yeah. I'm at a stage <laughs> myself and stuff too. Um, but it is there is a it's bigger. You know, there's more people there. It's easier to get lost yeah. in the shuffle maybe. Um, you know, it's easier to retreat, I guess, without people seeing you. Because the first year, you couldn't go back to your room <laughs> without someone watching you leave the leave like the the, the panel like room. You know, like yeah. Was, and and while that was maybe awkward, it was really good because it kept us all together. I mean, we did every, we had every meal together, and we, you know, we 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 literally spent all day every day together. And so that that's not there 
necessarily on the same scale anymore. And um, so that's the only thing that all conferences, yeah. they, they do in order to to grow and to become a bigger, you know, a, a more powerful engine. They do have to lose a little bit of intimacy to get there. I mean, that's just nature, and it's not necessarily a bad thing. But I, I am so grateful that I got to be a part of when it was, you know, back in the day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. Well, take take you and I, for example. I saw you not this year but last year for, like, two seconds before we went into right? the award ceremony, and then I didn't see you at all this year. <laughs> right, oh and, and that's just that's see her. Because you and I, like, the first year, even the second year, you and I, not only would we have seen each other all day, every day, but you and I would have, we would have had coffee together, we would have had dinner together, you yeah. know, like, <laughs> it's just a different thing now. It is, like... You do pass people in the in the hall, and but maybe the you might not see them again, you know. <laughs> right, like, and if you want to yeah. want to have a conversation, it it's it's like it's difficult to find people. <laughs> You're like, I want to yeah. and you actually yeah. have to hunt them. Yeah, I get it. Yeah, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So, um, that was an awesome answer. <laughs> um, <laughs> So if if you were talking to somebody and they were saying, oh, well, maybe I, I'm going to the conference or, you know, I am going to the conference, what is, like, the one piece of advice you would like to give them? Well, um, so it's going to sound a little bit cliche, and I understand that it's the most difficult thing to do, but my advice would be to to meet people, to, like, make a deliberate decision to I'm not saying necessarily go up and introduce yourself to a complete stranger because I know how scary that is. That's so scary. And it's not, and it's, and it's un, for me, that's uncomfortable. And I'm a very outgoing person, but that's still uncomfortable for me. Um, but I, but I, I do think that people should put themselves in places where there's the opportunity to meet people. So it's really my, okay, my instinct um, is to, when I go to, like, a huge conference, like, a, just a gigantic one where it's just, you know, total madness and, like, thousands of people, my instinct is to go to the panel and to, you know, to do the panel and then to, like, my instinct is just to run away afterward, like, just to yeah. start back to my room and, you know, eat gummy bears until the next, you know, panel. Yeah. Um, that, that's my instinct, and I and I think that that's very, I think there's a lot of human nature in that, you know. Because there's a lot of, uh, it is just so easy. The last thing I want to do is be standing around and not have anyone to talk to or to be standing around and look lost or to be standing around and trip over my shoes. You know, like nobody nobody wants to not have something they're doing. And so it's really easy to just want to retreat all the time. But my advice would be to to really fight against that and to stay in those areas, like stay like stay where there are groups of people and try to immerse yourself in whatever activity is going on. If they have a game going on, like a like they, a lot of times they do these games where go find an author and have them, you know, sign this, this box right here or something or go mm-hmm. find. And those are great. Um, I know for myself, I love meeting people. I love it when a complete stranger, like a reader or a blogger or another author, I love it when someone will come up to me and start talking to me because I, I will I will cling to you. I will I will hang out with you all day long if you if you talk to me. And I think I don't I don't think I'm alone in that. So I think that if there's any opportunity um, where where you can go meet someone or um, can become part of a group in any kind of setting, I think that my advice would be to take advantage of that because that is really 
the more people that you know or feel connected to, the more you get mm-hmm. out of these conferences, you know, because yeah, it's just, a, oh, it's so great to feel like you're a part of it, you know? So yes, I do. And I think Utopia specifically does that a lot for writers. It puts them out there, you know, with other people and where they can yeah. have conversations and feel like they belong. <laughs> mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. So your your doubts panel, did you guys touch on that or was it more like um, doubts as a writer, the one from this um, year? Well, it was, uh, it was, well, it was geared more towards doubts as a writer in a more general sense. But I will say um, it was the most, it was the most um, authentic and emotionally vulnerable panel I've ever been a part of, not just on, but, like, ever seen, ever been to, ever heard. Hmm. Um, Heather Heather Hildenbrand, who, she's, you know, a phenomenal writer, and she's a great publisher. I mean, she does, everything she does is golden. Uh, but she, yeah. she ran that panel, and it was, it was, um, it was beautiful. That's, <laughs> like, the best word for it. It was it was a it was a packed room like people crammed into this room like there was no there was standing room only, which tells you something about that topic you know yeah and um doubt doubting yourself doubting yourself just in general is something that I think every single person struggles with it's not just as a writer it's not just as an artist not just as a mom as a person you know it's just it's <laughs> I don't know. I doubt myself every single day over, you know, probably a dozen different things. And so this panel, its focus was mostly on how do you push through that doubt? Like, how do you still, how do you still write chapter three when you feel like you're not worthy of writing a book in general? You know, um, absolutely. It was, it was a. Uh, it was wonderful though because it it was more of a group discussion than a panel discussion. So mm-hmm. um, while there were there were um, you know us four uh, on the panel, um, really we talked as a group. Lots of people you know that in the audience you know they they had suggestions, they had stories about their struggles, and it was um, I think the the best thing that came out of it. It was more like a therapy session because it wasn't <laughs> that. <laughs> it wasn't like we sat there and we came up with the solution. You know, it's not like we were like, oh, okay, so this is what we're going to do from now on, you know, to avoid having yeah. doubt. We basically just, we all kind of shared these similar experiences. And at least for me, I left that panel feeling like, oh, it's okay that I feel this way because a hundred other people in that room feel the same way I do. And they're they're going to struggle with the same thing tomorrow when they sit down to write the end of their book or whatever. And, just knowing, knowing that other people get it, you know, knowing that other people, mm-hmm. even people, like, it really does something to you when, like, an author that you, you know, really admire, if you hear that one of, like, your, you know, author idols struggled to finish some book or has writer's block or something, there is, as sad as it sounds, there's, like, a piece that comes from that, like, you know, to know that it doesn't matter how skilled you are or how many books you have already published you're still going to have the same struggles as you do when you're just starting out. And that's just the, um, that's the dilemma of art in general, I think, you know, if you're going to be an artist, you're going to have this internal turmoil all the time because that's what makes it so passionate, you know? Uh, but it was a, uh, it was a beautiful panel though. Oh, it sounds like it. I didn't get to make it to that one. I was running around like a chicken with my head cut off. <laughs> oh, <laughs> 
it ties was, into your your TEDx talk that you gave, and, and that was about like overcoming things and, and doing what you're, you know, what you want to do rather than what people tell you you can do. So let's talk a little bit about that. Um, what was your TEDx talk about? Like, where did your idea for your topic come from? And how was it? Like, what was it like to be on that stage talking to all those women? Because I saw them in the audience. They were completely enraptured. <laughs> oh, um, well, it was a, it was the most surreal experience of my life, probably. Um, so I'm not a, I'm not a public speaker. I, I don't have any skill in that area. <laughs> I don't have any practice, really. Um, so it wasn't... It wasn't something that I I didn't seek it out. It it just it was an opportunity that kind of um, fell in my lap, uh, which mm-hmm. you know oftentimes is 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 the way the coolest things in life happen to us is by total accident. But the talk was about so the okay the title of the talk was what's wrong with throwing like a girl, and basically mm-hmm. what I talked about was how for myself there had have been so many times in my life where I haven't. I haven't been striving for the best or the highest achievement because there is this subconscious part of me that feels like, well, I'm a girl, so I'm not as important as a guy. Or, like, for instance, like, growing up I wanted to be an artist, like a like a studio artist, like a painter, a graphic artist or something. And when I told my dad about that in high school, He's like, well, why would you settle for just being an artist for some design company? Why wouldn't you just own a design company just start one yourself and have employees under you and when I when I thought about my reasons like why haven't I thought of that it really came down to this identity crisis like this part of me that didn't believe a didn't believe that I could and b didn't believe that I was worthy of it and I think that that for me at least stems from this um, global I this global message that our world kind of gives to girls, it's, its for the most part, it's a silent message, but it's kind of like this mantra that, that we just, girls grow up hearing or sensing that we're not as important as boys and we're not as, you know, we're not as strong as boys, we might, we're not as smart. And these are, these are lies, but there's like, um, there's like an acceptance to it though, you know? I mean, still, even... Mm-hmm. Even here in the states, you know, women—we're not paid as much as men for the same jobs, and we have to struggle to harder for, you know, for the same kind of accolades or the same kind of, you know, respect. Um, and it is a worldwide historical struggle. Um, but my my talk wasn't about like the the feminism part of it. My talk was about um, harnessing that that lie yourself and changing it in your head because every girl. Regardless of what the world tells you, you you are only as powerful as you believe you are. You know, you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. And, yes. and if you tell yourself that you don't deserve to be CEO of a company, you're probably never going to be CEO of a company. But if you tell yourself that you are worthy of being a New York Times best-selling author or of being an Olympic gold medalist you could very well become those things um, because there, there's so much power in, in, in yourself, you know. So my talk was about, um, basically it was about how the men in my life really have believed in me, my dad, my grandpa, my husband. Um, mm-hmm. They really believed in me, and by having these men in my life who believed in me, it kind of shook me out of this 
this really complacent place I was where I just accepted, well, I'm a girl, so I'm just going to, I'm just going to do just enough, you know, <laughs> like, yeah. and, and, and I have accomplished so much. I mean, like, my life's so cool. I have, <laughs> I have done things that I just, if, if you had told 12-year-old Chelsea, like, hey, so when you grow up, you're going to be, you know, a best-selling author who does TED Talks, and you're going to sell movie rights. Like, no way. <laughs> like, no way. <laughs> but I have all of these amazing opportunities and these great – I have all these open doors in my life, and, and I feel limitless in this moment right now. And it's only because I changed the way I thought about myself as a girl and therefore as a person who achieves things, you know. So the, the TED Talk really – it was um, – it was beautiful as far as uh, it was like a really good exercise for myself personally because to get up and actually say these things out loud, it um, it actually did some overhaul on me. Like it made me want to go out and do even more than I'm doing right now. You know, I'm like, oh, I'm going to try and achieve as much as possible. I'm going to, you know, I want to own the moon someday <laughs> or something. That's crazy. And just, oh, absolutely. Life. Yeah, I think I think girls especially, we tend to put, boundaries on ourselves that are just they're so silly they're not necessary there's no reason for it but we we tend to put ourselves in these boxes of what is acceptable which is what is attainable and while while there's nothing inherently wrong with that there's something sad about it you know because we are we're amazing i mean we are we are unstoppable really um but we but we have to try (laughs) you know we have to get out there and Go after our dreams. And we have dreams. Oh, my goodness. You know, we have great, incredible dreams. And it's, ah, we should just all be chasing after them. So um, so that's that's what I did my TED Talk on. And I got to, um, I got to connect. With, I got to, like, make eye contact with these faces of young girls in this audience. And really, <laughs> there were a couple of points in my talk where I had to like stop looking at these girls because I started to get emotional like like I wanted to like, <laughs> I wanted to like scream at the top of my lungs like you can do it <laughs> you know like amazing. And it was, but it was just the hope like the here's what it is it, it looked like yeah. when I was saying things to these girls that they know they you know girls know like yeah you can be president you can do whatever you want but there's something about the power of words. When we say these things out loud, we repeat these things to ourselves and to others. There was like a hunger that I saw in some of these girls' eyes, like like they needed to be reminded of that again. And 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 while that was really invigorating for me, it was also heartbreaking because because I get it. Like I need to be pumped up all the time. I need to be reminded that I can do it. And I. And I'm somebody who's, I have this great career going and I have a great support system and my whole family is constantly telling me that I'm a rock star. And you know what I mean? Like, I have every man in the world right now and I still have to be reminded that I can do it. Otherwise, I do, I want to give up sometimes, you know? And so it's a, um, it is a, it's going to sound dramatic, but it is a crisis, I think, as far as, as far as this lack of security um, when it comes to the way girls perceive their themselves and what they can accomplish. And I just, I love that I got to be a part of maybe encouraging that in in a forward direction, you know, because I just, oh, Absolutely. I want my daughter to grow up and like, and take, take 
take the world by storm, you know. And but I can't, I can't yeah. expect my daughter to do that unless I'm going to do that too, you know. So, oh, right. it was awesome. And it was so scary to do this talk, but it was so awesome. <laughs> it sounds like it was awesome. Heck yeah! So your your desire for like women who are strong, which I love, by the way, um, does that tie into the genre of the books that you like to read? Is that what you're drawn to whenever you go to pick oh, up yeah. a new book? Absolutely, absolutely. And I, um, I mean, so I mean, honestly, I can I can read about any kind of female character. Like, like I know that some girls. Some girls say that they can't they can't read about a female character that's weak or that re- relies on men or, and I and I do understand that and I respect it absolutely. <clears throat> I can actually do that though. I don't I, you know I can, I can't appreciate a story with a female character who's not you know made of steel and all powerful and complete <laughs> because because there's reality to that and there's you know there's nothing wrong with that. But I I do think especially for stories that I'm writing, for what I'm creating, the new material that's coming out into the world, I mm-hmm. try to, I hope at least, that I'm that I'm creating female characters that are flawed, you know, because perfection is just crazy. It's, it's not, you know, not realistic. So but hopefully I'm yeah. creating female characters who are flawed but confident in themselves, female characters who trust their own decisions, who trust their instincts, who know who can survive their ordeal without not without leaning on their other people because we we need other people you know we we all mm-hmm. we all need help and so there's nothing wrong with that but they're they're as far as emotionally surviving something I I want to create female characters that are not emotionally dependent on a male character and there is nothing like yeah. love is not a weakness love is love is not a bad thing and when you when you have a great partner in your life. You do, you lean on one another, and you do need one another emotionally. Um, but I want to create female characters who, in the absence of that male counterpart, don't just lose it completely, you know, because that's not really yeah. reality. I mean, if you, look, <laughs> if you look at the world, you look at these women, like women, we have, you have like single moms who raise like, you know, they have like four kids, and they have two jobs, and they're tearing it up. They have... They're amazing. They're super strong, and they have so much going for them, and they are doing it by themselves, essentially. And so there's a lot of power in that. Um, But there's so much beauty in the fact that you could take a woman who's that independent and that capable of taking care of herself, and you you can write a story with that kind of woman who has met a man who enhances that, you know, who makes that part of her, her personality and her persona that much more inspirational, you know. So it's I want to create yes. characters that that just enhance one another, I guess, instead of you know rely emotionally on one another. Um, but I am, as far as reading, I'm definitely drawn to strong female characters. I mean, there's nothing better than like some like five foot tall, tiny, tiny girl who you know like really knows how to use a sword, like. <laughs> Like there's just something really cool about that, and and I love fantasy. I love like fantasy and high fantasy because you know, well because why not? Like I wish unicorns were real, and you know, it's just I like going to a really fantastical place when I read. Uh, but yeah, some really some really um, inspirational female characters. Yeah, I totally dig that. What about you? Is that like what you do too? What, what you're into? Like, um, yeah, people have. 
people have actually coined me the feminist writer. <laughs> well, because I mean, all of my I know, and I like that. So yeah, that that makes me happy. I like to write strong females, and I I try to instill that in my daughter also. You know, you don't have to rely on someone else. Make it yourself, and then if they're there and you have a great relationship, that's what that's what will make it last. Right. So yeah, yeah. So um, is that what drew you to write contemporary romance that you just wanted to see as like a strong female, or was mm. it something else? Um. Well, you know. The first contemporary romance I wrote um, was That's Kind of Broken. And I kind of based the the protagonist, the female character in that book, I kind of based her on me or the college version of me. And I think that, yeah, I know, I know I'm, I'm answering this question all slowly. Like, I'm not really sure. Uh, <laughs> because I think that... I've seen where I've seen how far I've come since college. Um, like I've seen what these last ten years, how they've kind of shaped me and molded me. But I had to start somewhere, you know. And um, yeah. high school is kind of, you know, I, I I think it's really difficult to have your own carved out identity in high school. But college, at least for me, was the beginning of that. It was the beginning of me figuring out who I was and. And I think that's a really common trope, you know, in, in real life and in stories. So when I sat down and started writing Best Kind of Broken, I kind of wanted to write a story about a character, this pixie character, and have her kind of be me and make the decisions that I that I would have made in college, you know, with, with her circumstances hmm. and stuff. And, um, and yeah, and, and because it's uh, I think it's really easy to... It's really easy to run back home or to run back to things we know when life gets hard and stuff, and there's nothing wrong with that. Um, but I but I wanted to write a story about a character who kind of had to figure it out without having a place yeah. to run to, you know. Um, uh-huh. and, that's, and that's how I felt in college, personally. I'm like, okay, I'm here, and I don't have anyone. <laughs> I'm going to have to do this together. Um, but yeah, and then from there, it was just like, and I, I know you know all about this, but like once you tap into something like that, like in a, in a genre, you want to, you want to keep doing it, you know, like you want to, you want to go deeper, you know, and, and you know all about that. And so with that, I was like, well, I need to write more characters that have (laughs) going on in their lives that don't know who they are and more characters and, and my female characters. Um, in my Finding Fate series, at least, uh, I tried to make them all very different from one another, um, but very independent in a non-scary way. But like, um, you know, with their own their own personal set of problems and flaws and, and habits, and it was great. Yeah, though. it was great. I really I felt like, and I know that this is just how it is when we write, but I felt like I I was tapping into a different part of of my personality with each character. And it was, it was so therapeutic. <laughs> yeah. But it was, uh, yeah, I did. I did like to do that. I love, I love to do that. And then when you finish a book and you're like, oh, I'm proud of that character. <laughs> she made it through. <laughs> it was awesome. Yeah. Or she conquered the world, right? I get it. I yeah. totally get it. So, um, we only have about five minutes left, but really quickly, um, define what you think success is because I think this is important for every author to do before they ever start writing that they have to have that definition of success or they're never going to really feel successful so what is your definition of success 
first of all, you have the best questions. These are thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so in a in a broad sense, I I would say that success for me is something that I accomplish, something that I never thought I would be able to do that I do. Um, just because that's just that is I mean that is technically success. That is you know I didn't think I was able to do that, and look I did it. Um, but in a more specific writer kind of sense, um, my personal my personal success goal or whatever, and I actually wrote this on my blog. Um, so I started my blog like <laughs> like a week before my first book came out. Um, so and I didn't know what I was doing. Like I was. Uh, completely clueless. Um and I didn't know what you were supposed to write on blog posts either. Like I like I had no idea what, what blogs were for. I was so confused. Um so I wrote on my blog, oh my you know, my book's coming out next week and I know I don't have any followers on this blog so nobody's reading this post. <laughs> um but but I've been thinking about, you know, what it, what is it that I want and and what I wrote was I think if one person somewhere in the world who doesn't know me personally, so, like, it can't be, like, my grandma or my sister, but if just one yeah. stranger reads this this book of mine and connects to it, that's that's enough. That is me achieving the success that I, that I want. And I know that that sounds really, um, it's very minimal, I guess, like, especially in retrospect oh. now. But at the time, like... And still, and still to this day, like with every book that comes out, that's really, that's really what my goal is. Like, I just want one person to read whatever story I just wrote and get it. You know, I mean, I know you know. Like, yeah, <laughs> just one person that just feels it the way you felt it. Because we write these stories because they, they come out of us. You know, they're a piece of us. They're real. They're like a living thing. And we write them, and it's like, and then we send them into the world and we cross our fingers and just hope that they reach the person they're supposed to because it's not, or it shouldn't be at least, I feel, it shouldn't be about the masses and the ratings and, you know, the numbers game as far as how many people read it and how many people like it. It, it should be about, like, the content. Like, like, I just created a story for a purpose that I don't know. <laughs> like, I don't know why that was inside me. I don't know why it's so... It was so passionate inside me that I needed to get it out. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to trust that it's going to go out there and fill the world and it's going to find its purpose. And that one stranger reading it, for me, is the purpose. And so that that is the, that is my personal gauge of success. And and uh, and I mean, and I would love to I would love to just you know have other people. I would love it if I had to tell people, like, oh, here's the definition of success, you know, as far as writing goes, that's what it would be. Because for me, like, oh, and I remember, oh, my goodness, I remember the very first, the first person who ever contacted me, stranger, that contacted me after they read mm-hmm. Sophie Carter, which is my first book, a little, it was a little Facebook message from a girl, and she lived in Boston, I don't remember what it said exactly, you know, but she said, thank you for writing this book. I read it. I loved it, you know, and I cried. I just, I sat at my desk and I cried like happy tears because yeah. I was like, oh, that's the purpose. My book did what it was supposed to do. That that girl in Boston, she gifted it. And, and she, it felt like yeah. she was a part of me too. And, oh, it was just like this. Like I have goosebumps right now, even just 
thinking yeah. about it. It was just this very, mm, it just felt like it had come, like, it completed its path. And everything everything after that, you know, every person who read it or liked that, so that was just icy on the cake, you know, so. Absolutely. And that is yeah. the perfect note to leave with today. Oh, my goodness, that's just awesome. You think of success the same way I do when one person connects oh. and it changes the way they, they feel. That's it. Yes, ma'am. I love it. So thank you so much for joining me today. Oh, my goodness. It was awesome to have you. I'm so honored you let me steal you away from the keyboard. <laughs> oh, well, thank you me, so but... much. This is so great. Thanks for letting me just talk and talk and talk. <laughs> oh. <laughs> you were awesome. I appreciate every second of it. Thank you so much, Chelsea. Oh, thank you. Once again, for all you listeners, be sure you check out Chelsea's website at ChelseaFineBooks.com and go pick up a copy of one of her today. Links are in the description of the show. Be sure and follow the show to keep up with all things Utopia interviews. Thank you all so much for listening to A Daily Cup of Joe. Until next time, may your coffee be hot and your muse be loud.